Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. and welcome to another podcast from Disruptive HR. And in these podcasts, we talk to people in the HR profession and around the HR profession. But I suppose the common theme is that all of them are doing things slightly differently and perhaps challenging the status quo. And today we're going to be looking at coaching, executive coaching. And I'm sure if you're like me, you'll have uh, recruited exec coaches for other people. You may have had an exec coach for yourself. You've probably experienced, as I have, the kind of the, the very good, the bad and the indifferent. Um, today, I'm talking to Elle Harrison. And Elle is an executive coach and has been since uh, 2005. And she's the founder of Wild Courage, which is also the title of your book, I think, isn't it? it is. So welcome, Elle. Hi, thank you. How are you doing? Good, yeah. Happy Locked to be down here. Lockdown all right for you? I mean, pleased to be coming hopefully somewhat out the other side, but our children are both under five, so we're the very lucky few who didn't have to deal with homeschooling for the last three months. Yeah, I suppose that's Pretty true. Pretty blessed with that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Having having children under five doesn't sound particularly lucky oh, no. right now. It's just <laughs> true. That sounds like lockdown with two little ones like that. Oh God, that sounds like real hard that work. Was intense. It yeah, was. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, look, it's really great to, to have you on our podcast today. And we're going to talk about a number of things. Uh, we're going to talk about when is it a good idea to get a coach? When when does it kind of work best? For an individual. Um, I'd quite like to talk to you also about some of the things that people are coming to you with, you know, the kind of challenges, obviously all confidential, but just thematically, what are they coming to you with? And um, and I'd also really like to explore some of the things I know you're you're particularly good at, which is this idea of mavericks and coaching mavericks. Um, and then I want to finish up with how do you how do you choose a coach? Because there's so many on the market, aren't there? You know, it's quite a saturated market. So how do you choose one? So that gives us the the outline of of, uh, of this show. So um, I'm going to uh, literally kick off with that first question. So there I am. I'm a, an executive, and I'm thinking about getting a coach. When is the best time to seek one? What's what what should be the the triggers for me to think actually a coach might help me here? Yeah, it's a great question because I think the time that you're in really affects how effective that coaching is. Um, I think there's a few things. I think if you're trying to do something new and different would be an obvious one. So if you're trying to break the rules, shift strategy, um, adapt to something quite monumentous that's happened in your category or your industry, then I think having this sort of outsider to challenge you and stretch your thinking help you see where you might be stuck. I think there's a real value in that kind of disruptor moment. Um, I think actually also, you know, sort of basic level, just if you happen to be um, in some way quite isolated. So if you're yeah. very senior, um, if you're maybe 
in a minority in your organization, um, different background or, you know, you know, female in a male industry, um, it can be really helpful then also to have this sort of safe space to process and to explore what you think um, in a confidential place. That makes sense to me, actually, that one of the best coaches I had um, also coincided with two of those points in my career where I was newly appointed to um, a group HRD role. And I look back and how ill-equipped I was to get that job. And uh, it's always the way, isn't it? You know, if I was going back again and doing it, then uh, I'm sure I'd make a better fist of it. But at the time, you know, it was it was scary. But I was also the only female in a very, very very male um, environment. So, so actually that, that really helped me. Um, And, you know, we've kind of talked in the past about this idea of it being a big transition, you know, um, where, you know, something monumental's happened. Is that, is that almost too late when that happens because you're actually in fight or flight? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think most leaders know, when the very early stages of that are happening, they might manage to sort of paper over the cracks or or stay busy and not look at that. But I think there's, yeah, there's stirrings of change long before that kind of breakdown moment. Um, and that kind of actually links to another time that I think coaching is really helpful, but often overlooked, which is when you're in some kind of personal transition. So you mm-hmm. mentioned being new in role, um, but also, you know, things like moving countries, uh, becoming a parent is a really classic one. Um, divorce, loss, especially of someone close to you. When those moments when sort of your whole life shifts and the ground on which it's built starts to like shake a bit. Um, I think those moments, it's not only helpful sort of in the sort of idea of support and individual support, but I think those moments are like training grounds for this bigger journey of change that organizations are often on so if you can have someone supporting you through that personal transition and understanding what it feels like to really sort of melt your life down and put it back together and to go through that identity shift and that sense of disorientation and not knowing and confusion, then you're much more likely to be able to support your organization through those moments um, and or even society and I think that brings us to this kind of question around what are the, the the themes and trends that you're seeing? Are they different now as a result of the pandemic? You know, what are the what are the kinds of issues that people are bringing to you? Are you getting these big kind of shifts in in a sense of what's my role and how do I want to live my life post pandemic? Or is it less than perhaps we might anticipate? Hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of overwhelm that's kind of under undercurrent and theme at the minute Mm. um stress you know busyness um so that's there from the pandemic especially parents um but I think sort of the that sense of meaning that you're sort of referring to I think that's been bubbling for a while like so I've been a coach for 15 years um if I look over time it's probably the single most consistent theme someone just, you know, I'm doing really well. Um, I've kind of got to where I thought I wanted to get to. Uh, Things look good, but I'm just not sure. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Or is there something more? Like, is what I'm doing really That's really fascinating. This kind of idea of, you know, that there's got to be a, a meaning to things. And I think sometimes we get confused, don't we, with the idea that that a search for meaning is that you have to go and work for a charity or yeah. a public service of some description. 
Um, whereas actually it can be, in my experience, it can also be about problem solving. You know, am I am I making a difference? Albeit it might be in a very, you know, private sector style environment, but am I making a difference to our customers? Mm. Is that something that that people kind of recognize that it it doesn't actually have to be that you you go and work for, I don't know, UNICEF or Oxfam or something? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's a little bit of a journey. So I think people often start out um, thinking that it's about changing industries. Um, So there's sort of this unconscious bucket that we have as society. They're sort of worthy and not worthy. Maybe something in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I someone, else- someone saying to me when I worked at the BBC, you know, oh well, Lucy, when I first arrived, said, well, Lucy, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand about principles because you're from the private sector. And yet, interestingly, some of the behaviours I saw in the private sector were a damn sight better than some of the ones I was witnessing uh, in that particular area. But um, so, yeah, I think there is this kind of almost sort of snobbery around, you know, yeah, well, I work like a hierarchy, the, kind of yeah, for the human good. Exactly. And this sort of idea that it's predetermined and it's set by society and there's these categories that that you have to find your way into a worthy category. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, through coaching, what often happens is unraveling that that or seeing actually that belief and then unraveling it. Um, Actually, one of my favorite stories that one of my clients who kind of really taught me this was working in advertising, his CEO, and then he left. Um, to kind of find something more meaningful and yeah. went to a, exactly as you say, like a sort of public institution that seemed to be doing really important work in the world. He spent about a year and a half there. And then um, when he left, he went back to advertising <laughs> and uh, he, he basically really discovered that play and creativity and experimentation were incredibly important to him. And that there was a lot more of that in the advertising world than there was in this sort of big rigid institution. Um, So I think actually what people often discover is that meaning is a, not about this category of what you work in, but much more about who you're able to be and your values and do they align with the way that this organization moves and breathes. Um, But also that actually there's this sort of myth that one day you'll discover what your purpose is and then you'll do it. And <laughs> yeah, you'll work through, was it you might my, my North Star or whatever? Exactly. I'll work through that. And, exactly. and then it will all become revealed to me. Get a coach and or you know, go on a meditation retreat and it will all be clear. <laughs> and the reality is, you know, I think meaning is not a destination. It's like a practice. And I've chosen to be a coach, but over the last 15 years, I've fallen in and out of love with that. And I've had times where I've thought might be time to stop and then, and then re-engaged. And I think it's this sort of continual edge of evolving the way you're doing your work and why you're doing your work and how you're doing it. That is where we find meaning rather than in a category or a box. Or, That's really yeah. helpful. And it just made me reflect actually about, about me and, and my journey, you know, because obviously I'd, I'd, you know, gone down the corporate route, large corporations, and then um, went into running my own thing. And I love it so much that I kind of went through a period of almost regret that I hadn't found it sooner. Mm. But I, I don't think I'd have been ready to do it sooner. I think actually, you know, it happened for me at the right time. And yeah. Um, and I think quite often we we can't, it's not mapped out for us, is it? It's not, there's no kind of, you know, it, we evolve and we change and we want different things at different times. And, yeah. 
Um, exactly. And actually, I, yeah, I wouldn't have been ready to, to to run my own thing back then. Yeah. You know, other responsibilities and, you know, childcare and all of that. Um, really interesting. Now, you talk then about this idea of aligning with your values and finding work that aligns with your values. And, and one of the things that we've talked about in the past is this idea of the maverick that um, quite often um, HR directors, and I've done this, will kind of, you know, we suggest someone gets a coach um, because they're not fitting in well enough, you know, and, and yet the reason we hired them was because we wanted them to be an agitator. We wanted them to be a disruptor. Yep. And so they bring with them their different perspectives, their different experience, their different language, um, hopefully not too misaligned on the values, but but then suddenly their, their disruption and their agitation kind of irritates us and they, mm. they annoy people and they rub people up the wrong way. And, and I know you've coached quite a few people in this situation. What's your, oh, it's a big topic, but... But in summary, kind of what's your what are your thoughts about this? Because on the one hand, we say if we need greater inclusion, greater diversity, then we have to expand our notion of the kinds of people we want in the organization. I'm not just talking about minority groups um, or underrepresented groups. I'm talking about a breadth of perspective and experience so that we are more innovative. We have a richer, more diverse um, population that's capable of being more representative of the people that we're serving and so on. But on the other hand, we don't like it. And, and you know, we, it feels hard work for us. Is it the right thing to do to send that person to a coach to get them to assimilate and conform. I mean, what's yeah. your what's your views on that? Definitely not right to get them to assimilate and conform. <laughs> However, it could be helpful to have a coach because again, that's a really lonely role. You know, to be brought in to create some kind of disruption that the organization says they want but is acting against is yeah. a really painful place. Um, it's frustrating. It's often, you know you can feel invisible or not appreciated, not understood. It's confusing. So I think having a coach to kind of help you see what's happening, that it isn't personal, that this is really, really normal. Um, and that isolation is usually um, quite subtle, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I've witnessed it in, in organizations where somebody who perhaps didn't fit in, um, it wouldn't be outright challenged to them, but they perhaps get invited to fewer meetings they yeah. might you know they would say something and there'd be that tumbleweed moment in a meeting where and then you know it's sort of uncomfortable moment and then we'd move on and 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 actually as you're talking I'm thinking yeah that was that was must have been really lonely mm. yeah and I think it kind of speaks to this human but also organizational ambivalence towards change you know we do want change but actual change is also really hard and quite painful and requires stopping what we have been doing so I think, you know, there's this kind of moment of transition where an organization can see they need to change, but they haven't really, really got that readiness for the hard work of what it's going to take to shift course and to sort of so realign. You're working with a so-called maverick, this, you know, insider outside role. How do you help the organization as well as the individual? Yeah. So I think sort of tips for the, for the, but that maverick would be find your allies. You know, someone brought you in. So someone sees a need for you and what you bring. Um, so really kind of like head paddle hard toward those people, forge those relationships, get their support, get their help, share your experience. Um, so yeah, head towards those allies. And similarly, like 
if you notice that there's a resistance to your ideas or there's sort of, you know, you've been brought in to have a different perspective, but every time you say something, you're sort of told, no, but we don't do that here. Like name it, you know, it's my understanding that we're trying to do things differently. And yet there's also, I'm also hearing a lot of sort of, we don't do that or we can't do that. Like what's really going on? What do you think's happening here? And try to dig in with curiosity to. Yeah. So rather than just reacting, actually question and, and explore and interrogate that further and and get to a place where you kind of try and understand why would they want to change? Because I think sometimes we kind of think, oh, we need to change and that's enough. And that the intellectual acknowledgement that we need to change is going to be enough. But of course, we can we can exist, can't we, quite comfortably with an an intellectual grasp of the fact that change needs. Exactly. But clinging to the status quo. Exactly. We do it. Yeah. And that's human, you know, we do that in our personal lives, too. So I think that kind of that sense of purpose can be really helpful if you if you have this sense of what's really trying to happen here. Why is it right to change? Like, why is this change needed? Um, who's it serving? Yeah. Then you can speak to that and it's not it doesn't become personal. So you can take a bit more risk. Um, and sometimes just pointing out we've got a choice here. You know, we could do this, which would take us in the direction we usually go. or We could try something different. Like, what do we want to do? Um so I think that's for the for the maverick, kind of supporting them with that and really reflecting back. It's not personal. This is really yeah. normal. Yeah. Uh, and for the organization, I think, you know, if you have brought someone in to create change, first of all, like, hmm, maybe have a think about the system. It's their yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. Don't put all that change on them. But then, you know, I think team coaching is great in those moments. I'm trying to understand the forces for and against change yeah. within the whole system. So that you can doing that more team coaching. Team coaching is definitely a growing, it is a growing market. Because that's always struck me as something that we don't do enough of. And I certainly didn't do enough of with with my leadership groups, because actually it was the, you know, individuals, great, you know, you can take care of your own Mm. skills and whatever. But actually, as a group, we rarely looked at how we were functioning. Yeah. I think there's a shift happening in general from individual perspective to more systemic perspective of the world and of what we're doing. Um, and with that, I think, comes an understanding that leadership is about a human being within a system, not just the human being in isolation. So, yeah, yeah, working more consciously with that whole team, that whole system. Fantastic. Now, I just want to wrap things up with um, a stat. I went on LinkedIn just before we started speaking and I wrote an exec coach and 1.2 million hits came up. Wow. Million. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's, that shocked me, I suppose. How on earth do you as an HR director, um, that might be looking for an exec coach to work with you and the team, or indeed as an individual, how do you, how do you find your way through those 1.2 million to find the ones that, that are going to, to, to be right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, right in terms of fit, I suppose that comes through personal connection, but but also that, you know, as a starting point that you've got a filter that they're actually going to be decent. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there's sort of the head and the heart. So I'd say your instinct will tell you a lot. Um, you know, if you're just going on credentials, then that might not that might not always be the best path. But equally, I would say start with, are they certified? You know, are they a certified coach? So there are coaching bodies that are sort of, yeah, certifying 
both the training courses that people have gone through and then how many hours of practice they have yeah. and continuing professional development. So I think sort of a baseline would be start with someone who's certified. Um, and the, the big um, organization is the International Coach Federation, so right. the ICF, but there's also European equivalent EMCC and various others. Right. Oh, that's think, helpful. Yeah, I think that's a kind of real, real basic. And then the sort of second point I'd say is it's both a do and a don't. So what HR directors often do and leaders as well is look for someone who's sort of been there before, which will have them <laughs> tend to lean towards someone who's been an HR director before or someone who's worked in this industry and maybe recently retired. Or uh, yeah. So there's a, a lot of sort of looking for someone who looks like you. Um, you know, and that can have some advantages, but if actually you're trying to disrupt things and do things differently, it's kind of questionable whether you want someone who's understands the industry or you want someone who's got fresh eyes and that kind of tips towards the sort of so that's the don't but the do part I think the instinct to have someone who's been there before is right but it's not about their that industry that experience I think you want someone who's um had a sort of rich inner experience of life so maybe they've experienced change themselves um They've done some substantial inner work to be comfortable with a wide range of emotions, because if you're going through a big disruption or a big change of some kind, like all kinds of emotions can come up. And I think a coach um, who's really lived some of that experience of, of being human and what does it feel like to kind of melt down in those moments and then build yourself back up. I think that inner wisdom is actually the probably the single most important thing. It's what I look for when I'm looking for team members. Um, so have they got some kind of in, inner practice? Have they got some kind of reflective practice, whether that's formal coaching supervision or whatever it is? You know, for, for me, I like, like silent retreats or I like to have a coach of my own. I like to have reflective practice groups. So I think you you want someone who's sort of continually learning and discovering more about what does it mean to be human? Because ultimately coaching is about human beings. So yeah, someone, someone really with that wisdom. You you have such calm about you, Elle. I was just, I could feel, you know, when we first came on and we just, before we started recording, I was like on the ceiling agitated with 101 things going on. And now I feel completely relaxed and calm. So yeah, if nothing else, you. thank you so much for that. But also, for your wisdom and your ideas and, and your thoughts on, on coaching in today's world. Thanks so much for making the time, Al. Thank you, Lucy. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.